0: Autumn Brown. And I've ended the marriages of people I've never met. I live on Dakota and its land, currently known as Minneapolis.
1: (laughs) I'm (laughs) Adrian. Like what does that even mean? Okay, and I'm Adrian Marie Brown, an explorer of orgasmic Buddhism, a writer of stories and songs. Emergent strategist, pleasure activist, and I live in the land of the Shikori, Skorure, Tescarora, and Lumbee peoples.
0: And this is How to Survive the End of the World.
1: Our podcast about learning from apocalypse with grace, rigor, and curiosity. And we're back, bitches! We missed you, but we were on vacation, so we didn't really miss anybody at all. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, I love that duality where I'm like, I really like all of our listeners. And when I'm not working, I'm like, I'm out. I'm good. Y'all are good. I'm good. We're We're all all doing our thing.
0: Everyone's doing great. Um, I hope you all
1: had some mini breaks and vacations in this summer period, too.
0: I really feel like, you know... We need it. The, the U.S. would benefit from some of these practices that people do in other countries where they just take the whole month of August off. But...
1: I like it. I like anyway,
0: it. Anyway, happy Equinox, sister.
1: Thank you. Happy Equinox to you. Mm-hmm. We um, are living I s- right I do, on the I cusp. have to send you. I made a fall Equinox spell that I really love. Like, I worked hard on it, and Ooh. I want to send it to you to make sure you actually read it. Okay. Okay. Um, So we are deep in our all about love season and we have definitely a few more episodes to go. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to get into a topic that I just want to be frank, we have been putting off. Mm -hmm. So we're going to check in before we dive into it. (laughs) I'm like, I want to check in with the context of like, when we planned this season, we were both in relationships and we were like, yes, you know, bell hooks just passed. Let's do this all about love thing. Mm -hmm. And then... And then both of us are not in relationship, and like so as we started the season, we were like, "Oh, do we still have to talk about falling in love?"
0: (laughs) Um, Can we? I just want to be frank. That part.
1: (laughs) Let's just skip that part and only talk about other kinds of love. And I think we've covered all a lot of other kinds of ground. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like we're healed enough, moved along in our journey enough, and have learned some major lessons from this year that I think bringing into this this episode which is really shifting from a framework of falling in love to choosing love mm. so we're gonna get into that this episode so given that context how are you mm. doing
0: how Sister Autumn? am i doing um physically i am recovering from a chest cold it was not covid mm. um as you know, but our listeners do not know, uh, the Rona did finally get me um, sorry, at the end fine. of August. <clears throat> so during my vacation, um, right when I was about to take like a planned 10 day trip to New York to see all of my beloveds who live there, I tested yeah. positive for COVID, got very sick and like had to take the Paxlovid antiviral. Thank God that's available. That is a miracle yes. drug. Um, yes, But, you know, so my vacation ended up turning into sick time. Um, (laughs) But um, Mm. so it's not COVID what I'm dealing with right now. What I'm dealing with right now is like uh, children are back in school and everyone's trading viruses. And the result is that then adults are also trading viruses. Um, So gross. So I'm on the mend, um, but have been coughing a lot for the last 24 hours. And so Mm -hmm. I'm feeling a lot of the like, You know, just what happens in your body when you're coughing for 24 hours. It's like very exhausting. exhausting. Um, But, you know, we're in now, this is like week three, I think, of my kids being back in school. And we're hitting that point of we're starting to settle in to Mm. the things that three weeks ago were like, everything's brand new and all the nerves. And now we're hitting the point where their kids are finding their people. And yeah. figuring out, oh, you know, my <laughs> who they who are they
1: stylistically in this new moment. Um, yes, and I was so proud of Marae for starting the school year off with a beret. Uh, I felt really moved by that.
0: I'm like I feel like (laughs) I feel like every other episode, Marade is my flume of awe, and so I've been on the fence about whether or not to like have that happen again. Um, But her 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 fashion sensibilities are just so they just continue to um, excite me and floor me, frankly. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's how I am. I'm, I'm um, really glad
1: you're like not the kind of person who exploits your kids because <laughs> it's you know I, yeah definitely that could be you know I'm like oh yeah this is I see why people are like I have to make a whole Instagram channel of just my child I know <laughs> like getting dressed I know whatever.
0: but then you see there's a dark side to all of that but there's a dark there's well because yeah I'm like side. then you
1: grow up I'm like please thank God no one made me famous before I seriously um anyway how so, are you? <laughs> I am hmm, really in my own life, day to day. I'm in a state of bliss mm-hmm. right now. Um, I turned 44 over this break. Happy this birthday. Time apart. Thank you. And <laughs> I spent it, I really did it a good job. Like leading up to my birthday, I just had these mini vacations and trips and like staycations with friends and family and all these loved ones and I just got to see everybody and like lay eyes and hug everyone and hold everyone and Mm -hmm. just know that everyone's okay and then I went down to Jamaica and spent a week um, just by myself for my birthday that was my gift to myself was just like quiet time reading next to the ocean swimming in the ocean all day and I have this delphin water tablet thing that you can listen to music in the water and I decided to take it it's amazing what they can do with technology now it is it is and this is like I I just can't even talk I'm like the, the experience of being like I'm out as far as I can swim into the ocean with renaissance blasting in my ears and I kept, I, halfway through the week, I was like, I can wear my straw hat out here, and then I can stay longer. <laughs> so, like, then I'm basically ah, under this little... Little, like, like
0: mini umbrella. Little mini, exactly.
1: <laughs> Anyway, I was giving, like, peak strategic vacation <laughs> vibes, um, and then I came home and went into retreat for the musical ritual that I'm building ah! um, with OSF, and it was just... Troy Anthony Burton and myself, everyday song building and then taking it to these six singers and like watching them learn and, and feel and play with the songs and like shaking off all my nerves and scared feelings about it and just being like, I wrote songs. Yes, you and did. now they're moving into this next phase of arrangement and writing. And I mean, it's just, yeah, I, it was such a satisfying way to start off this year and I'm really excited for people to hear and and feel and see it. Also, I'm just kind of still right. Like I just feel like um, for a couple of years now, my therapist and I have been talking about like I'm on the precipice of something, and I'm not quite sure what it is, yeah. but I can feel myself like on this edge, and I just feel like in flight thermals under my wings, just going. You know, I'm just like I'm off, and I see in um, thermals. It's a really yes. <laughs> I, was, I did a lot of watching. I've been watching birds everywhere I go, and just being like okay I know birds coast when they can but like how do they coast I want to understand more about this like (laughs) how do you like how do you find your thermals and like Mm. when you you know like all of that so I'm really like watching birds around the world do this well Um, actually
0: this is a perfect transition into our flume of awe (laughs) oh (laughs) good because um, my flume of awe is your musical ritual oh
1: oh, oh, really
0: (laughs) flume of awe
1: Um let's flip away.
0: <laughs> you know, our listeners are, you know, y'all are all operating in a deficit because you're going to have to wait some period of time before you get to hear <laughs> the music. But I got yeah. to experience like snippets of recordings of along the way as it was coming together over the course of the week. And then I also got to listen to a recording of the presentation of the work. have to say i know i texted you this while in the middle of the week when you had sent me some of the first recordings but like i literally was sitting in my backyard listening to the recordings and i could not help but begin to sing with the recording and i was literally like yes (laughs) like snapping yelling my next door neighbors were like what is she orgasming like what's going on over there?" They're they're fine. Bat they know girl. that I talk to myself and do weird things, but um yeah, but, but that yeah, might but be
1: a push even for them. It
0: was yeah, right. It was it mm-hmm. I have to say, I mean, it's it's not just that it's not just that the music is excellent, which it is, but it's also that like the music you've created and the way that the singers that you're working with are embodying it is like it's creating uh, you're generating the field of ritual. It's
1: a stardust, it's a
0: along that with this project you want it to be one where people can like pick up the music and create it in whatever context yes. they're in and it's so yeah. clear to me that that's the, the way that the music is being composed because there's yes. a lot of different paths to composition and right. there are a lot of ways that you could take that same music and make it complicated to a point where it would be really difficult to replicate um, right. but the way the like meditative and repetitive way that yes. then that the like that the chords like build upon one another and then create room for other sounds yeah. to come forward that you didn't hear at yeah. the beginning of the song like you can exactly. really feel that it is actually of use for ritual um, so that was and and then like as a listener, it's like, yeah, I can't help but feel this and then want to sing it too um. So I love that. (laughs) Well done. It was awesome. I felt awe hearing it. And it was really cool to be able to like, pick out your voice in the midst of some of the songs. You know what I mean? Like,
1: well, you know, can I tell you one of the things this was not actually going to be my flume of awe. But there's one thing I want to share with you that is so amazing is about halfway through the week, I stopped singing along like I was like, I've passed the songs over, Uh and now they're being sung by the group. And it was meaningful. It was a meaningful choice for me because I'm like, I I sing, I do my thing. Mm -hmm. I'm working on my vocal confidence, that. But there's something, I was like, I want to hear what happens if I'm not doing that. And and these voices were incredible. So several times, I sent recordings to people that I knew I wasn't singing on. (gasps) And they would come back and say, I hear you. And... Oh, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. God. <laughs> I don't know what that are you is, serious? It's just like, yes, yes. And especially like people who know me and are just like, I hear you. And it's like, and I know what your the, voice the, sounds like. I know what my voice sounds like. And I'm like, I'm not on the whole second half of the week. I was like, okay, you know, I'm not singing into these, but there's a combination of what the soprano altos are doing that is like, that's what it's just that's incredible. Blowing it, my
0: mind, Adrienne.
1: It blew my mind You're too. I was like, I don't understand right all of that this, but it sense. really <laughs> thrills me. It thrills me um, that's because really that's cool. what I I'm hoping that that's what it feels like in the long run. Like I really wanted something that's like at the at the meeting place of like the best of what I've experienced in trance ex, trance song chanting mm-hmm. experiences, and then like black gospel church revelation ecstatic experiences but like all for like the earth and being humans and feeling so it's it's really yeah i'm I'm feeling it and
0: i'm so excited for you and i'm so excited for the world to get to experience this work
1: (laughs) yay yes well i'll find out i'll ask the crew if it's okay to share a few snippets in here um but we you know we're also everyone in the everyone keeps saying like like my little Aries rising, I'm like, should we just share this right away? Like, should we just share this? Ah, You know, they're like, like, actually, we only worked on this for three days and like, it's totally fine. We have a full year. (laughs) So we we don't have to do anything before Um, I'm just like, but everyone should have it. So, so the thing that I wanted to uplift in my flume of awe is actually there's, you know, something that has been making me feel a lot is seeing these waves of revolutionary response of women around the world fighting against patriarchy and standing up for, like, our right to choose what and how we do things with our bodies. Mm. So, you know, and I think that that's... Um, women and non-binary and trans folks, It's it's I see it happening around the world. Yeah. And feminist men, <laughs> you know, I see all these people being like, no, fuck this patriarchy, we're done with it. Yeah. And so, like, in the U.S., you know, I see it around the reproductive justice struggle. But then I've been paying attention and like watching what's happening around the world. And it's like in Iran now, people are like up in arms about this right to like not wear hijab. And then there's people in India who are like up in arms about the right to wear a hijab right, if they want right. to. And like everywhere, it's just this idea of where we understand this larger pattern of people trying to take away our choice whatever it is we choose to do with our bodies. And mm-hmm. I just see the connective tissue of all that. And it's really been, yeah, just putting this awe in me because I'm like, oh, even for this generation that's actually fighting, there was this chant that was that I saw someone tweeted me, but it was like on in Iran where people are like, We might die, but we will change this nation. Wow. And there was something about it that was like, there's you know, we're in this place where, like, our our generation, this generation is making a move against patriarchy that is, I think, unprecedented mm-hmm. in history. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels global and it feels like we're so done. Mm-hmm. We're so done with it, mm-hmm. right? So it gives me awe to be like, wow, like, history will look back at this period as a major sloughing off of this ideology that doesn't fit our our planet may it be so i'm really grateful to be alive in this moment and 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 be part of that may
0: it be so So, yes
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i think that's related to this topic (laughs) i'm like um (coughs) because we're talking about falling in love (laughs) we're talking about falling in love and choosing love and You know, we're going to get into it. We're going to start off with a bunch of Bell Hooks quotes because I think one of the things that that Bell understood and that we all need to understand is the way that we have been taught to think about what, how we move into love Mm -hmm. very much serves patriarchy. Yep. (laughs) Ouch. Let's. Yeah. I'm just like, ooh, (laughs) guess what? I'm going to be more choiceful. Okay. So do you want to just get into these quotes? Do you want to read the first one? We can just go back and forth. Yeah. Let's get into the magic. All right. Our first quote from Bell Hooks. Bell
0: Hooks,
1: all about love.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that. Um, (laughs) The language of having fallen gives the illusion that one is helpless during the process. It implicitly indicates that an individual is unable to be responsible for the situation, nor should they be. They have fallen, and that's that.
1: Hmm. No doubt um, it was somebody playing the role of leader who conjured up the notion that we quote unquote fall in love, that we lack choice and decision when choosing a partner because when the chemistry is present, when the click is there, it just happens. It overwhelms. It takes control. This way of thinking about love seems to be especially useful for men who are socialized via patriarchal notions of masculinity to be out of touch with what they feel. In the essay, Love and Need, Thomas Merton contends, quote, The expression to fall in love reflects a peculiar attitude toward love and life itself, a mixture of fear, awe, fascination, and confusion. It implies suspicion, doubt, hesitation in the presence of something unavoidable, yet not fully reliable, end mm. quote. If you do not know what you feel, then it's difficult to choose love. It's better to fall. Then you do not have to be responsible for your actions. Even though psychoanalysists from Fromm writing in the 50s to Peck in the present day critique the idea that we fall in love, we continue to invest in the fantasy of effortless union. We continue um, to believe we are swept away, caught up in the rapture, that we lack choice and will. In The Art of Loving, Fromm repeatedly talks about love as action, essentially an act of will. He says, to love somebody is not just a strong feeling. It is a decision. It is a judgment. It is a promise. So then
0: she goes on to say, um, to, she's continuing to quote Fromm in All About Love, and where he says, love is the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. Love is as love does. It is an act of will, namely both an intention and action. Will implies choice. We do not have to love. We choose to love. Bell then comments, Since the choice must be made to nurture growth, this definition counters the more
1: widely accepted assumption that we love instinctually. Mm, 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 mm. So we wanted to examine our own journey in this learning, right? Because it's one thing to read it. It's one thing to live it. And it's another to be able to reflect enough to be like, oh, I I think I I get it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really get it. So I wanted to kind of just start off by talking about our patterns of falling in love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like how do you fall in love and and what have you learned about yourself from falling in love? (laughs) And I have to Mm -hmm. say, I also want to say that in the notes for this, I called it. How did we, how did we get our PhDs? in what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You did. You did put that in. Yes. Um,
0: I once upon a time, you were present for this. Uh, we yes, did a. I remember. We did a reading with Channy, a sister reading, and yeah. Channy was looking. Channy Nicholas, <laughs> amazing people's amazing astrologer. people's astrologer, and Channy was looking at my chart. And pointed out this particular <laughs> signature that I had, and she was like, "So I'm guessing that for you, you have a pattern around falling in love where it's like big fantasy love and then big hangover. Is that right?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Girl, and I was you're like, so personal. Why did you say that?" Um. Yeah, and I would say yeah. I I'm I know I'm not alone in that pattern. Um No. And I think that you know, as we talked about in the polyamory episode, I think that um you know, not specific to monogamy, not specific to polyamory, um not to specific to like any formation we do have um we do have a tendency to engage in a lot of, like, fantasy as a part of um, how we, like, construct the relationship between ourselves and another person with whom we feel an intense um, connection. Yes. And so I would say, in my experience, um, I, you know, I, I do struggle with the, the question of, like, do we love instinctually or not, you know... Because I think that Mm. in my um, experiences of... I have experienced strong, intense sexual desire for another person. And I have experienced strong, intense connection that feels ancestral and spiritual and all those things. And I know the difference, right? right? I know the difference between like when what I'm feeling is like, ooh, I want to jump on that versus like... Oh, something like there's something here, and it feels mysterious to me, but it feels like also palpable. Um, mm. And um, and so, you know, I mean, I, all that is to say, I'm really in agreement with the idea that we do ultimately love by choice.
1: <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. I think, and that doesn't negate all that. It doesn't. Feeling. It
0: doesn't negate the fact that like sometimes you can meet someone and truly feel like. You were intended to make contact in this lifetime, and yeah. and that I think that when when I think about like that experience of being overwhelmed by falling in love, um, like the overwhelmed <laughs> as in like that like the because I think I, I guess I'm making the connection right now between the phrase falling in love and that sense of being completely overwhelmed by the reality that um i went from i was walking around having a normal day to yes. now i'm having really intense connectedness feelings to another person and i can't stop thinking about them and yes. that can happen i've ser- i've had the experience both of like meeting someone um and having the that connection um, just feel like an explosion just in the middle yeah. of of the room, you know, it's like boom. You know, I remember with my ex now husband. <laughs> yeah, I re- I, I re- clearly remember the very first time I ever laid eyes on him, which was before we even met. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I yeah. and I know so many people who have stories like that of like the first time we saw each other, the first time we were in the same room, you know. Um <clears throat> but I've also had the experience of like having the falling in love sensation creep in over time where it's like mm-hmm. I met this person, we're building a friendship. And like everything is feeling like it's going along normally. And then suddenly, oh, I'm suddenly finding myself in a state where I'm thinking about this person before I go to sleep. And I'm waking up in the morning and thinking about them, you know, which is like, you know, and sometimes that can be really difficult, right? Like if you're in a relationship (laughs) where there's no pathway to it becoming like a romantic relationship, that can be difficult and scary when you realize that like, that you're having that, that overwhelming experience of like inability to stop thinking about the other person <laughs> and then, but, yeah. but you can't do anything with it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, so all that is to say, I feel like, um, you know, there's all kinds of like, there's, <laughs> there's all kinds of ways that we can think about and understand what's happening in our brains and in our bodies, when that experience unfolds inside us, that's right. Because right? there's like right. there's neurological thing that's happening. <laughs> there's chemical things that are happening. There's hormonal things that are happening. But yeah. But for me, the place where I think um, the place where I go right now in terms of identifying my own pattern and and then figuring out well what do I do with that is if I'm thinking about what's happening in a on a spiritual level, yeah. then what am I like, what am I being awakened to yes. in the moment that I feel overwhelmed by a connection to another person? And then yeah. what am I responsible for related to that experience? Because I think yeah. where where my pattern, where I've struggled is that mm. i i feel the overwhelming connection and then all thoughts of responsibility float away you know <laughs> yep because you know because it's what because job. it's intended yeah. you know and yeah. but then but then <laughs> so what i'm trying to think about and work on in myself mm. right now is like okay if this if the connection is real. And if the connection is real and genuine and then with it does come a responsibility to do something, but the something depends (laughs) on the context. It depends on the context. Um, anyway, I'll, Hmm. I'll stop there. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: that's a lot of good fodder. And I, I mean, it's really cool to hear you reflect on these patterns that I've watched you experience. Um, You know, I think for me, I have, since I was very young, I have had a highly imaginative relationship to love itself. So like, I remember very, very early on, like my first crushes were almost always people who were unattainable Mm -hmm. in some way, Mm -hmm. like didn't know I existed or something like that. Right. you know, might be a classmate, but I was like, they don't even know. They literally don't know. <laughs> like, we're not in the same realm or whatever. We don't talk to each other. And I would just pick them and project a love story between us. And they would just be the face of that love story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd be the person. And I don't think I necessarily stopped doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, my imagination has always been, you know, like people always say, there's like, there's three people there. There's three energies and there's you and the other person and then the thing between you. And I'm like, and also my imagination. <laughs> it's like, That's also another presence. The here. fourth wall. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting to, to note. it's been very humbling actually to notice that, that I'm like, oh, you know, part of that comes from, from traumatic shaping, right? Like there's a way that imagination comes in to be like, okay, I'll create safe ways for you to experience love because something in your system doesn't trust that it's safe to actually take this risk (laughs) with other humans, Mm -hmm. right? So there's something there that I've been, you know, studying about and talking about and trying to understand. Mm -hmm. And then I think some of it is the social shaping of our our little familial unit, right? So our parents fell in love in a very romantic story Mm -hmm. where, you know, he made eyes at her in a library across an interracial, you know, gap of culture. They fell in love. They were married four months later. They're still together, and and they eloped. Um, and they eloped, and there was disowning. There was, you know, it's, it's love it's, it's against all epic... odds. Exactly mm-hmm. right. It's a story. It's like no one else understands this, but like it's our love story, and it's it's, and we were right because look, here we are, still together, yeah. supporting each other, growing old together. So even though many times in my life, I've been like, that's not even what I'm trying to do. <laughs> like, I don't want to get swept off my feet. I don't want a love story that no one else understands. I don't, you know, that that makes total sense for them. It would make less and less sense for me as I get older. Right. I'm like, I not actually up, love You're not up against the
0: same constraints.
1: At all, right. right? Like, I'm like, oh, I have the freedom in part because of stuff that they sacrificed and choices that they made. I have the freedom to like, love out loud and be exactly who I am and be very choiceful. Right. But when that wave comes in to the shore, you know, when someone's like I'm here to sweep you off your feet, I'm always like, "Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> are you the person I'm supposed to marry in 4 months and like we stay together for the rest yeah, of our lives?" Yeah. Um and so and my imagination kicks in and It's like it's it's so now it's like the romantic imagination is at odds with like my actual romantic intentions and my actual like intentions for a good life. So that's the pattern that I've kind of noticed and unfolded. And I also think there's a big pattern of like once you decide to love someone, you have to love them no matter what. Like that's it. that you just it's like so I'm like, oh, and I just saw this. I got to go see this musical, Once on This Island, which I'm sure some of our our listeners have seen. Um, But it's this love story where this young girl sees this young man after he's been in a car accident. She sees him. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you're the one for me. And she nurses him back to health. And then it turns out he's like a rich guy from across the island. And like he's like, you can be my lover, but like you can never be my wife, basically. (gasps) Damn. And it's devastating. But I'm like, it's patriarchy. You know, it's like (laughs) this idea that like... Right. Women, women, we, we are supposed to be swept off our feet and fall so in love with someone. And we're just like, I'm, I'm here to care for you now for the rest of your life. And no matter what kind of man you are, like, I'm going to be loyal and I'm going to stick with you. Right. And I will be here. Right? Yeah. So I think that like falling in love in that context is actually such a dangerous concept to continue to engage in or practice. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's not that we don't want to be able to love people and stick with them through all that they have going on and, you know, find ways to stay in relationship and support. But there's a lot of, I was like falling in love is not the way to make those kind of choices about who you're going to align up your life with and care for. Right. <laughs> right. right. Um, and so I think that's also been a pattern for me is that I tend to like, and I've made this, I've made this, uh, I've aha'd about this before, but I'm like, people often have ended up in my heart and and sometimes in my bed that should have ended up on, like, my healing table or in my healing practice. That it's like, oh, I've got a lot of healing Mm -hmm. to give, but trying to do that in a romantic relationship is actually devastating for me. Yeah. And it it ends up not really working for the other person either. The power dynamics of it aren't very good. Mm -hmm. So that's something I've become much more mindful about is, like, am I falling in love or am I seeing someone who – I believe I could heal, right. and can I make the distinction? <laughs> right? I mean, so, for real. Oh, yeah. well,
0: and I, when I go back to something that you said, just about the mm. um, that experience of of I fall in love with you. And I want to commit to you for the rest of my life, regardless of what kind of person you turn out to be. This was such (laughs) a this was such a big arc for me, especially over the last, you know, between going through a divorce, you know like between basically yeah. being put in a position of having to choose to end my marriage right like yes I yeah. you know where I resisted for a very long time being the one to end it and then ultimately I was the one who filed for divorce and like yeah. and took the steps that needed to be taken but yeah. uh, but really under duress right like I was not yeah. I was not I think you were never gonna do it I, I was you
1: didn't want want to I did not want yeah. to
0: I really did not want to because I really I, I, I had taken vows I took those vows seriously I had created a family with this person and I really felt strongly that like that there was nothing that could you know um, rupture that commitment and then there was but and then and then you know so it was like under duress I finally took the step to end my own marriage Um, Mm. and and one of the things that I like learned through that experience which sounds so simple to say out loud now, but really it took me going through like so much fire and pain in order to really understand it, that like my love is unconditional, but my relationships are not without conditions.
1: Talk about it. (laughs) Because for me, like when, you know,
0: when I finally chose to end my marriage, when I ended my last relationship, in both scenarios, the issue was not like, whether I was, whether I still loved those people, you know? Yeah. And I had to yeah. finally come to, in both scenarios, I had to come to terms with the fact that, like, the fact that I love and that I'm in love is not yes. enough to make this what's happening okay. And, right. um, and, and that is like the, it's the, um, to me, it feels like the the um, what is the daily activity of understanding love as intention, love as action, love as a choice, yes. love as like my me extending my will that yeah. it's like that that having now instead having this orientation of um, that the 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 relationship itself has to function as a choice that I make every day to That's right. stay in, to stay in a commitment to, to stay invested in. And the only relationships in my life really that where I don't have to necessarily have that, like, well, actually... I was about to say something and then as mm. I was thinking about it I was like, do I even agree with that? Because I think well, that That's
1: not even true. Because I
0: <laughs> I, I was, was going to say that I was going to say the only people to whom that doesn't apply are my kids, but then I'm thinking about it and I'm like, actually, even with my children, I know that when I'm doing my best mothering is when I'm being choiceful when I'm showing up with intention that's right when I'm saying when I'm saying "Ooh, I might be like triggered as hell right now but my intention is to ensure that my children are getting the best version of me in this moment and so (laughs) and so I'm still gonna and you are not
1: enabling just any way that they want to behave but that you're like I'm helping you to it's that I'm extending towards your highest experience of yourself and towards your heart, you know, like exactly. I'm extending towards your spiritual growth as a yeah. as a baby being. And I think know? that there, and I and think there's I can a, I do that unconditionally. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And there's a thing I think to extrapolate there across from like the way we ideally are parenting our children to the way we are ideally yeah. showing up in other kinds of love relationships, which is like, oh. which is like, which isn't to say we should be parenting our partners, but rather to say that like, if I know that the best version of my parenting is going to show up when I'm, being in intention and yeah. being choiceful then i know that that's also going to be true in any other relationship right that that's yeah. that that's, that's a uh that's a lesson i get to keep receiving and i think that i think frankly one of the dangers of the falling in love experience uh, if once we go from the fantasy to the hangover it's like <laughs> you know that yeah. the there's and i know that this has been true in my in in my most significant love relationships that there can be a sense once we're in hangover territory that i i can i'm going to treat you in whatever way feels like that's the version of me you're getting right now. And because we're in a real, because we're committed to each other, you just have yeah. to deal with whatever it is that you're getting. Right. I'm no longer <laughs> in the same, all yeah, that is to yeah. say, all that is to say in the same way that I wasn't in right, I wasn't responsible for falling in love with you. I don't have to yeah. be responsible for how I love you.
1: I deeply understand. I feel like this is so tender and vulnerable and I'm grateful for you going there because I do feel like there's the, – the whole thing is this idea of, like, can I be self-responsible? Can I be responsible for myself in relationship to who I let into my life and how I treat that person mm-hmm. and, and why they're in my life? Mm-hmm. You know, why why is this person in my life? And, you know, it's, it's one thing that I feel like has become clear um, is that same thing you said about parenting is also – it's I feel like that's what I've learned in my friendships, right, is that I'm like, oh, like – I know how to love with a lot of accountability. I know how to love and apologize. I know how to love and like, I've learned how to love and not try to rescue people. I'm Learning that, you know, constantly. But it's like, that's the hard one for me. Right. Um, But I'm like, I can do this. I'm in a lot of friendships where I have navigated the territory. We've made the pivot. We've made that shift. Um, But there is still something in me that when I fall in love, I'm like, now that person is the protagonist of the story. And I am like moonlight and trying to help them pull the tide or so you know like i Mm. i put i cast myself into a secondary role and so Mm -hmm. for me so much of healing from the way that i learned to fall in love and the way that i have practiced it is being like if it's a choice the first choice is actually choosing myself and what does it mean to fall in love with myself and to choose to love myself as i am and to love myself with all the shaping and all the missteps and all the quirkiness and all the realities of just who I am and that my job is not to find someone else to set at the center of my life, right? Is to occupy fully the center of my life. And then from that place, finding the other people who make sense to be in, um, in constellation with me in this lifetime, Mm -hmm. right? And so then from that place, loving, like, I really have done this with with friendships. It's just looked at my friendships, like, where is mutuality actually possible? Yeah. And what are the moves I make towards mutuality, (laughs) right? And Mm -hmm. the same thing with love. It's like, is mutuality actually possible here? Are we both able to be responsible for how we're showing up and for how we're treating each other and for the ways that our trauma comes into our everyday because it's like that's gonna all happen. And I I I used to I remember the first time someone said, Oh, you gotta love yourself before you can love anyone else. And I was like, I don't think that quite rings true. Mm. I think it's more that you have to continuously love yourself as you're loving others. Yeah. Right? Like there has to be a continuous sense of, oh, loving myself, I'm not going to do this behavior. Loving myself, I'm not gonna compromise in this way. Loving myself I'm not going to hide who I truly am until we get further along in the relationship. Right. 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 Loving myself. Right. Like I'm just, I'm going to be like, here's who I am. Here's what I deal with. Here's how my little mind works. And Mm -hmm. here's the places where it kind of goes off the map. Here's what's going on with my body. Here's the needs I have. Right. You know, what have you got? And I also, I did want to spend a little time there because I think in the falling in love practice, A lot of it does entail like, ooh, shaping yourself to be who you think the other one, the other person wants to see. Yeah. For better and for worse, right? (laughs) Like there's, you know, sometimes it's like, you you know, when people say that, you make me want to be better. I'm like, but are you better? Like, who are you? (laughs) Better (laughs) than what? What are we talking about? Better than what? Are you bad? Are you you, you awful? Um, Not that people are bad. But like, so I wanted, I made this little list of things that I'm like, these are things that I think people contort or hide or tuck away early in a relationship (laughs) and for the sake of falling in love that almost always will show up and they will break the relationship (laughs) if they are not addressed. So and this might be like a guide for choosing love is like these are conversations to have Mm. in a journey of choosing love. So the first one is the actual structure of relationship you're interested in and down for. So You know, if you're not into monogamy and you're like meeting someone who's like, my goal is to end up with one person forever, then you should be like, that's not my goal. That's not my goal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Like, I'm over here. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to have a solo poly magnificent, you know, horde of people who can pull off a heist or whatever. So so what is the structural preference you have for relationships? So that's one. Mm -hmm. Two is communication styles. Everybody thinks they're so straightforward and so honest and so this and so that. Oh, my God. You ever have that
0: experience where you're talking to a friend who you know doesn't know how to communicate straightforwardly and they're complaining about some shit that happened with their partner and they're like, and I am so direct and you're like, bitch, you are not.
1: Bitch, you are not. You are not. You are literally not. And I love that for you. (laughs) I love following you on the securitist map of trying to figure out how you feel, but I imagine that that would be hard for your partner. Yeah. Mm And I'm that person, too. (laughs) I'm also like, I'm so direct. (laughs) I think I'm so direct. But then, like, I'll have it mapped out in my mind, exactly the direct thing that I'm going to say. And then when I'm sitting there with that other person's face in my face and their heart in my hands, I'm just like, it's so tender Mm -hmm. being here with you. (laughs) What the fuck? Anyway, so communication styles and actually, like, trying to say, like, for me, I'm like, it can take me days. Mm -hmm. to get to a place where I'll be able to actually communicate what I really feel. And I need you to be patient with that. Like, that's hard to say to someone when you're, you know, you're like, everyone thinks I can just go there right away. Mm -hmm. And I can do that for anyone else. But for me, (laughs) I need a little time. right. Um, So the third one is money. Like, what is your actual financial situation? Where are you trying to get to with money? What is your debt? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just what is your, what is the background you come from? And I think of it as, like, what is the financial trauma you come from? Like, do you come from mm-hmm. wealth that isolates? Do you come from poverty that has made it a struggle? Like, trying to date across that that line and not talk about it. Right. It's amazing to me how many people are like, yeah, we're struggling with this. I'm like, you're struggling with money. Yeah. <laughs> you're struggling with the resources of your relationship and your time. Um, kids, if you want to have them or not have them. Mm-hmm. You know, this one has been really personally <laughs> devastating for me. That it's just like yeah. falling in love with someone who really wants to have a kid if you don't want to have one. Like there's heartbreak down that path, right? Um, sexual preferences. Like what is your libido? What are you into? Like, mm-hmm. you know, that is not a place where you want to contort or hide or be Whew. small about anything or pretend that you're into stuff you're not into. Big or you have a higher libido than you do. Big time. Like, It's really helpful to just be like, this is how I am in this. Um, if, and if you're going to love me, Like, this is what you're going to (laughs) get. You're going to get every morning I'm going to need that. (laughs) You know, like, Mm -hmm. I need to know that you're up for it or whatever it is. Um, Your politics Mm -hmm. and all of these things in some way I think of as political stances, but also to just be straight up. Like, are you radical? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Are you, um, you know, are there places where you have a particular need To be involved in struggle and to be involved in fight and to be pushing. What are the political communities you're a part of? What are the um, values that are important to you? And I feel like I've seen, particularly the women in my life who still date men, really struggling with this one and when it comes to feminism. right? Because they're like, I'm a feminist. It actually really matters to me. And Mm -hmm. trying to date someone (laughs) who's a man who may or may not actually be there or able to get there. Or a man or
0: or men who claim to be feminists, but in practice just are not.
1: The worst, but anyway, so, (laughs) so that and then spiritual beliefs, you know, so like, what are the things, you know, like, it could be what you believe about life and death, it could be about what you believe about spirit, it could be practices you're in, Mm -hmm. like, I can't be with someone who, who wants to laugh at any of the practice, you know, I'm like, if you're, if you find it hilarious or you want to dismiss in some way that I pull tarot or that I believe in astrology or any of those things like it's not gonna work I'm not gonna I'm not gonna move down that path right because I'm like those things are really meaningful spiritual practices for me right my therapy is part of my spiritual practice my other things are part of that so being able to talk with people like are you a church person do you belong to a spiritual community are you in spiritual practices like not hiding that you know I was I remember being with someone who was like would hide their practices yeah and I was like, "What are you up to?" And I'm like, "I pray." I was like, "You could tell me that." Right? <laughs> like, oh no! I, you know, it was oh. so, so. I was like, yeah, "I pray too, babe." Like, it's yeah. all good, but oh. yeah. So, yeah, those I love, are some of the things. I love this. Yeah.
0: I love this because I and I think that there's like, this is this is another one of those things too that's like, it points to how differently, how differently our falling in love experiences can. um or how different it is to like fall in love versus to choose love, right? Because yes. these are things that it's like you can also find yourself in the um experience of having known someone for a long time and yeah. think you know those things about them and yes. then once you're actually trying to enter a romantic relationship, then like there's stuff that becomes more clear, right? Once you're yeah. because I think that's the other thing that like um intimacy you know intimacy gives you a different view into why something might be a struggle right or why and i think that that can be challenging too where it's like you can't always anticipate money for instance is a really good example of one where lots of people struggle with money once you're inside of intimacy with another person, you start to be able to observe more about why it is that someone is going to struggle with money. And that can, that can, in some cases can actually make it even harder than to extricate yourself from the relationship. Right. Because, because now you're really hooked into and invested in like their pain, their trauma, their story around like what it is that's going on. That's causing them to like engage in whatever behaviors that are not useful or helpful. Um, And so it is like, it's a, it's a, I like the intention of being like, let's yes. figure out as much of this stuff as possible before we choose to like tie our lives to each other. Um,
1: exactly. And I, well, and I will say just also, there's this other little piece here for me that's like, be, because part of what's happening with the chemical, biological, pheromonal, all that stuff that's popping off is it's making it really hard to see the other person clearly. Yes. So these can be ways that are like, wait, this is like, let me just throw this lens on it. And throw this lens on it yes. and throw this lens on yes. it to help me just see a, clearly enough. Again, if you're not moving into trying to make major commitments like moving in, marrying, joint bank accounts, whatever else. Mm-hmm. If you're not shifting into those, ride out. Be in the bliss. Enjoy it. Yeah. But for me, it's like if the falling in love is leading you into making major life changes, this set of questions need to be, you know, you need to really... Just put the hit the brakes a little bit with some of these things and just be like, I just want to make sure this stuff is lined up. You know, this
0: makes me think about another um, just another lane of inquiry, which is the difference between romance and falling in love.
1: Ooh, because more.
0: because well as you were just saying about you know if you're not moving towards major life commitments or major changes to your life to accommodate this person then ride mm-hmm. out the bliss and yeah. i think that there there's a disappointment that comes for people when they exit the quote unquote falling in love phase and then there's yep. like the rest <laughs> of the relationship and i think yeah. that
1: this is why the disney movie always ends at marriage right it's, it's like,
0: like <laughs> Um, credits Um, (laughs) and I think but I think that that I think that people I think that we can conflate falling in love with romance and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and and or like we think that the blissed outness of the beginning is the romance but actually there are ways I think to you know To awaken romance inside of a relationship so that you get to have those experiences um, that feel so enthralling and captivating and like, I can't take my eyes off of you and I just want to stare into your eyes deeply. You know what I mean? Like all of Mm -hmm. those things that go with that we tend to think of as being about that falling in love phase. They can be awakened, but I think it's really hard. It's hard if if we feel that the, that the romance is something that is discreet to a particular yes. moment in the relationship. Right.
1: I really appreciate that. I also feel like there's something interesting for me around, like, lust versus love versus... Ooh, preach! cathexis, um, which is another concept that um, Bell Hooks talks about in this book, which is like, you know, because I think a lot of relationships actually start out in lust and then move into cathexis. And she taught me this, which is lust, which is like, I, I can't, I'm obsessing about my desire for you. I yeah. just want to look at you, smell you, right. dive up in your body, right. lust. And then cathexis is like, once you've landed in the habit of togetherness, that you kind of continue in the habit of togetherness. Um, and it may look a little like love or you kind of are like, I guess this is love because we are together. And so we just spend our time together. We do stuff together and like, that's what it is. Yeah. And I really noticed the distinction for me where I'm like, oh no, like love is a choosing every day. And this is who I really want to spend my time with. And this is really nourishing me in these different ways. And I can feel myself growing. I can feel this person growing. And it's one of the reasons why I don't have any regrets about my love life. Like, even though my relationships have, have come into space, and they have grown, and they have gone through changes, and then they've ended, I, I really can feel what I learned from each of those loves. And I can feel the love that I was offering. And I can feel the lessons of it, right, that I'm like, I made it past the romantic phase and I made it past the lust phase and Mm. I like stayed in and did the work that was available to do and I extended towards that person's spiritual growth Mm -hmm. and then there was a moment where okay that growth is taking us in different directions and you know we have different work to attend to right Mm. and I feel like but I do feel like if you can catch that that's like oh there's a there's a can I feel the distinction in myself between lust and love right? Can I feel the distinction in myself between lust and cathexis? Can I feel it between cathexis and love? Mm -hmm. And where does romance play into all of that? And I I do think that like relationships that last are ones that are able to cycle back into romance over and over again, Right. Right. right? Some of them daily, some of them it's like, okay, we fell out. You know, I've seen people, couples that I love dearly and watching them, Go through a major hardship, a death in the family or mm-hmm. a loss or a major sh- change and that having a hard impact on the relationship and yeah. putting them to challenges, but then being able to be like, you know what? It's still you and I'm still committed to extending towards your spiritual growth. You're still committed to extending to mine and more about this works than doesn't. And let's, let's keep growing together. And I see that and I'm like, you can tell, you know, I'm like, I believe it. It's, 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 it, that's worth the work you're doing. Yeah. But I also feel like there's a lot of people who stay in situations where I'm like, that's literally stagnating your spiritual growth Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's cathexis, or the lust burned out and you haven't left the building or um, or you're just in service to what this other person is trying to to do or or, you know, there's some other (laughs) mess that's happening that's playing out under the auspices of like you have to stay together and. I think that we're in a, again, generationally, I think we're in this really interesting and exciting place because I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, in the same way everything doesn't have to be monogamous, it's also everything doesn't have to be one thing for your whole life. Right. Like as you grow and change as a human being, you might have multiple people who are loves of your life Mm -hmm. and hopefully you are the primary one of those, but that you will go through phases where different people match different parts of you. Especially if you, you know, are late bloomer in any ways, which I think a lot of us can be, again, because of this, the, the heaviness of capitalism and yeah. patriarchy, and these systems we're up against. Yeah. Like, I'm like, if you had never realized you were queer, you know, like, I'm like, who would you be? Yeah. That would be so weird to me. Yeah. Like, and yet for a long time, it was like, oh yeah, this is, you've made this commitment for the rest of your life. Right. And like, right. Um, I'm an ally. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. I was like, girl, you're not trying to ally that. No. <laughs> well, I have anyway. to, one
0: last little note on this because I know we have to um, close, but... You know I never, ever want to end. I know. And and that actually relates to what I was going to say. Um, that <laughs> there was... Uh, um, a dear friend of mine was... And I were talking about this recently about how in... Um, Not just in romantic relationships, but in all of our relationships, in part because of the fact that we live under capitalism and our relationship narratives are really shaped by the media. There is a real addiction to drama inside of relationships. Right. That's and fair. not like in a Oof. not like an addiction to conflict per se, but an idea yeah. that like that the relationship is not really happening unless there is a drama of some kind unfolding either within yes. or around it. And I think that that's something for, you know, mm. for us to keep percolating on for our listeners to keep percolating on the like, where is a need for intensity? Yeah informing the way that we are orienting to the experience of loving other people and like can that need for intensity be fulfilled in some other way that doesn't have to be destabilizing to core relationships and like i know for oh. myself this is like the big the big thing that i'm working on right now that i'm like part of why i'm so oriented to being single for at least one full year and like really taking Work. my time is like figuring out like can i have an experience of emotional and or sexual intensity with another person without then feeling like that compels action like what yeah. does it look like to just be in the experience <laughs> without yes. having to act on it or what does it look like yes. to what Uh, Alternatively, what would it look like to feel just deep loving connection with another person and have it not be intense or addictive or like requiring me to destabilize something in my life in order for it to happen? You know, like, like it doesn't have to be a crisis when we love
1: Oh my goodness, Th- please make that a t-shirt. I mean, I do I feel like that I feel like you're singing my life with your words. Because yeah. I I really am like, um, you know, for, for a long time now, I've recognized that when I'm really deeply loving myself is when I'm the most productive. I'm like, oh, I'm writing books, I'm writing plays, I'm writing musicals, I'm writing poems, I'm you know, like so much is pouring through me because there's a baseline stability. And then falling in love, literally, if it's the way that I was told <laughs> that it's supposed to happen, mm-hmm. drops me out of that stability and that life and everything else. And suddenly I'm like in the upside down world, you know, just like, mm-hmm. how do I get back over there mm-hmm. to where I want to write my books and mm-hmm. stuff, but also attend to you, your needs. And, you know, there's also beautiful need. That's, that's also why I want to continuously for myself hold that line of like, this person needs healing or they need something else that helps them find whatever stability is going to look like for their own lives and but this stability that i have i have to protect that's what my self-love is demanding of me right and this is what feels like maturity and it feels like the soundtrack of my love life is shifting from the i'm in over my head that alabama shakes song (laughs) which i have listened to like Exactly. I'm like, and I've listened to that song a gazillion say, times, right? And I'm like, I instead, I feel like, I don't know, right now it feels like Meg The Stallion's gift and a curse. Hey. <laughs> because, like, because she just says, she's like, I know my worth. Yeah. I really know my worth. Like, <laughs> mine right food. now is,
0: you won't break my soul. <laughs>
1: You I mean, I'll say, that. I'll say that. I'll say that entire... I'm like, I'm one of one. I'm number one. I'm the only one. You're not going to break my soul. Like, yes. <laughs> I'm cozy with who I am. Yes. Right? So it's the entire Renaissance album plus... Meg DeSalleon. Yeah. <laughs> um, so speaking of that, I feel like that took us right into <laughs> pop cultural joy. And I would love to know... Um, yeah, what's rocking your boat this well, season? Well,
0: um, mm. so many things to choose from. There's a lot of really excellent... There's so much excellence happening in the culture. Culture's popular um, right But I'll just yeah. go with, like, last 24 hours. Um, me and the kids started... <laughs> yeah. Me and the kids started watching the new Andorra series, which is the latest um, Star Wars uh, TV show. And it stars it's basically following the events leading up to Rogue One, the film. Um, And so, um, so like Cassian, who's the star, the, the, the one of the stars of, of Rogue One. It's like his story in the lead up in the five years before the events of that film.
1: Soon enough, these days will end. There will be no rules going forward. People
0: are standing up. It's so good already. I we watched two episodes last night. It's like, um, you know, it's got all of the like, um. You know, it's got like the gritty characters who are like just, you know, doing the mechanical things on the planet you've never heard of. It's also yes. got the like, <laughs> you know, the middle manager, um, you know, sort of angry, trying to prove themselves white men who are always like taking things too far because they're, you know, trying to show how loyal they are to the empire. You know, it, it's like yeah. it's got all yeah. of the, it's got the like, um um uh, all the aliens all the costumes um, mm. very it's very music, it's already there oh the music that was the other thing that was me fin. Mm. Finn really tuned into this right away Finn was like the soundtrack of this is amazing and I was like yeah they like did that. something different this time around um, so yeah it's if you're a Star Wars fan, and you like diversity. Yes, so if you're not one of the Star Wars fans who's like a <laughs> racist, misogynist, I'm, this is not for you. Like, aliens but, can't be black. Um, but yeah. yeah, if you're a Star Wars fan who appreciates um, the fullness of what is possible in science fiction, mm. then you will be into the show. What have you got, sis? I
1: love that. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is very clear. This week I went to see The Woman King, which is uh, <gasps> Viola Davis's Magnus Opus. I'm so jealous. called it. And I want everyone to go see this movie thrice. Okay, no spoilers. It's one of the best things I've ever seen. (laughs) Like it just, everything about it was, it was both utopian and devastating and gorgeous and invigorating and powerful. My king,
0: the Europeans wish to conquer us. They will not stop
1: until the whole of Africa is theirs. We must fight back for our people. My God. You are asking me to take them to war. war. Some things are worth fighting for. It's about the Dahomey tribe and the Amazon warriors and, and the, they're fighters and they're incredible. Um, And I particularly want to name (laughs) – one of them is Izogi, and it's – I'm in love. You're in love. So Lashana Lynch plays this character, and I've seen Lashana Lynch in other things, so I know it's specifically the character that I'm in love with. I see. Okay. um, Got it, got it, got it. Lashana Lynch is, like, fine as all get out every single day, but in this role, she plays this woman warrior who's kind of, like – the one who's guiding the trainees through their training pro- process. And it's like, I, I just like looking at her in the trailer. I can't handle myself. So the funny thing I want to share about this is that one of my dear friends, um, who is straighter than I, was like, watch out because you're going to go see this and John Boyega's in it and he's just going to do some stuff to your panties, right? now." I was just like, okay, okay. cool. Okay. like I'm ready for okay. it. Like He's a cutie pie, a little baby, whatever. Um, but I go and I'm like, is yeah, he no. on the screen? He, because I don't know. Who is he? That the movie? person right there is one. That's the one for me. And I just, I couldn't take my eyes off She's her the entire time. She's one of one. She's so dynamic and powerful. But I mean, and they all are. Like every single person. They did all their own stunts. Ooh. It is, you just are watching it like, I want to go to this training camp. I want to be a part of this world. And now I'm writing fan fiction. I'm writing a fan fiction in which I get to be in the... In the in the palace with them, is but I'm like, one of the singers uh, who is like
0: erotica fan fiction. <laughs>
1: it's definitely erotica fan fiction. It's absolutely fi- lesbian erotica fan fiction about me and my love, um, and and it's the only way this love story could happen because she literally is sworn to like not fall in love as one of these warriors. Yeah, so I was like, oh, totally. of course that A forbidden aspect of my yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. Unattainable. Oh my God, like that is like that's characters. like a
0: part two <laughs> a episode we should do is forbidden love. Like let's do that because can we do
1: forbidden love? That's a
0: whole thing. It's a whole that's fucking thing. That's a whole thing. situation. Woo!
1: Okay, All right. so anyway, everybody go see it. You will not regret it. Okay. Um, and also, we want to support Black people making work exactly like this. Like yes. this is what we want more. And let's more of. do that. Okay. I literally, my my, I feel warmed up by just talking about it. Okay. Okay.
0: and on that note thanks for listening to our show we're on Twitter and Instagram at End of the World PC we're also on Facebook at End of the World Show did you know?
1: you can make a sustaining donation to our show by visiting our page at patreon.com slash end of the world show
0: another incredible thing you can do to help our show sustain itself is to write us a review on Apple Podcasts if you are an iPhone person thank you
1: how to Survive the End of the World is produced and edited by the incomparable Zach Rosen and transcribed by Jess Pinkham and Sarah Rubins green Music for today's show comes from Tunde
0: Alani Ron and Mother Cyborg.
1: <laughs> I just got to spend time with Tunde and he's still a genius. Tunde uh, we love y'all. will
0: always be a genius.
1: We yeah, love you. Yeah, a stop genius. We'll see you next time, y'all. Bye. Keep loving.